Are you ready for some high adventure? Coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Justice runs in the family. I'm not the best cop out there. I don't have the most solved cases of all time. Hell, in this city you'd be lucky if you can close half of them. But every case I can't close, it hurts me. It takes a piece out of my heart. My soul. I got a wife and two kids at home. And I just want to make this world a safer and clean up place for him. This is the same as the last one, Joe. Holes in the neck, no blood. But what's the connection? What's going on here? What are we not seeing? Looks like in a lot of ways we have more questions than answers. Again! You said all you found was the flyer, right? <sighs> yeah. Maybe I'll stop by with some questions at the Red Herring then. Leave a couple officers around at night, too. Though I'm sure some strange characters are there all the time, so I'm not sure anyone will remember. But I guess it's worth a try. What's your next move, Frank? I'm not sure. I'm gonna go regroup with Dusty. You know, Frank, I'm gonna tell you to stay out of this. Even though I know you won't. It's starting to get a little dangerous, and I know you can handle yourself, but... This isn't a P.I.'s job. I couldn't forgive myself if I let you go around getting murdered. I'll be alright, Joe. I haven't lost it yet. I heard you got your ass kicked by a few teenagers and barely made it out. Uh, and here we go again with the world-famous comedian, Joe Sutton. First of all, I recall I won that fight. Secondly, how does everyone and their mother know about it already? Sheesh. I gave a dismissive wave to Joe on my way out as he cackled. Figure I'd let Lady know what happened. 
It was a little premature to involve her on the details, but I wanted to make sure she knew I was working the case. It may have been in poor taste to use a dead man's phone, but I rang her from Mark's hallway. I don't know if it's good or bad. Told her I made some progress and I confirmed our date at 8. I was going to drop Dusty off and do myself a favor and shower the stink of the day off. Or was it two days? Right before I exited, I saw a crumpled up sheet of paper. About half the size of your standard notebook. I knelt down and grabbed it. Looked like a diary entry? It read, January 2nd. I was thinking today as I sat at the bus stop, what if I just walked in front of that bus? Would it matter to anyone? The answer, no. The fact is that although I am the smear on the pavement, people would make it about themselves. They would go their way and tell everyone what a bad day they had because of this. I'm the dead guy here. Look at me, you selfish parasites. It doesn't matter anyways. I still got on the bus instead of under it. I did, however, make a stop out of my normal path. I walked into the pawn shop a block and a half down from my apartment, the one that smells like old paper and cheap cigars. The green carpet in there is such an ugly green, but I like the pattern. I saw a snub-nosed pistol in the glass case under the counter. I thought on how I was never lucky enough to have a dad teach me how to use these. I bought it. I used the last bit of the money I have so I won't be paying rent this month. Maybe instead, I will leave him a penny's worth of my thoughts across the kitchen wall. Jesus Christ! What the hell did I just read? Was this some kind of suicide note? Was it from the guy who attacked Mark or did Mark write this? I compared the writing with some notes jotted down on the same table that the phone was resting on. I assume this is Mark's handwriting and it didn't match the diary. I'd say the diary is from that psychopath, and from the account of his writing I would say that about matches the kind of person who would do this crime. Someone who may be on the brink of despair who snapped. Thought about giving it to Joe for evidence, but I shelved it into my breast pocket instead and briskly made for the door. I sat silently during our drive back. Dusty already knew what happened in Mark's house by the appearance of the police officers in the morgue. What he did not know was the awful piece of paper I found. It was one of those things I didn't want to tell anyone, but I figured I ought to. I pulled the paper out of my pocket and set it on Dusty's lap. I guess you already know Mark's dead, Dusty, but I also found that. I think it belongs to the killer. Go ahead and read it. Dusty's facial expression turned from intrigue to sourness pretty quick. He wasn't a little kid, but I felt like things like this would still weigh pretty heavy on him. Just as it looked like he was finishing up, his face contorted into an unexpected formation. Discovery. Frank! 
You know how you kept telling me to turn off the radio and TV because you don't want to hear about the new sensationalizing murder spree? There were dire entries left at those scenes. The last two people killed. Shit. Another blisteringly obvious reason I shouldn't have taken out my misplaced frustrations on the kid. But he was right. I remember something about a diary entry. Dusty proceeded to recite the whole thing, like he had it memorized from drilling cue cards. Joe was right. I was in over my head, but what am I supposed to do? Just stop? That's not me. And to a fault, that's not how I conduct business. I figured I would just call Joe after my date, let him know about the connection I see, and if there's anything he knew that I didn't. And I needed to see those other diary entries. I turned the knob on the radio. That's as close as I was getting to an admission of guilt. my living room, tiptoeing past the couch, careful not to wake Sam, sleeping soundly. I'm glad he was getting some rest. I grabbed a towel and washcloth and kicked on the shower. Climbed in, letting searing hot droplets eliminate the tension in my shoulders and back. I could just stand there forever. to let her know I'd be on my way. She was playing coy, but I felt like she was just as excited as I was. It's been a long time since I let myself date. But of course, this one kind of forced her way in, didn't she? time I smoke is when I'm nervous, and even then I try to make it a last resort. Been about a year since my last one, but I needed something to calm the butterflies, so I traded off the fresh smell of my shower for blanketed air of cigarette smoke. After I was halfway through, I chucked the cigarette out the window. I got what I needed, so I let the guilt override me again. As I was pulling up to her apartment complex, I noticed the door propped open by an EMT, which, sure, it was odd, but I didn't think too much of it at first. But the danger of the case that was unfolding had started getting into my head. What if the killer knew I was onto him? What if the killer knew Lady was working with me? Subconsciously, my footsteps hastened, and my hearing started to buzz away in a hazy clamor as I bolted for the steps. First floor, nothing. 
Second floor. Nothing. Shit. What had I brought to her doorstep? Third floor. Her floor. I felt my chest tighten. People covering their mouths in shock. EMTs flooded the end of the hall by lady's door. The thoughts and words were fumbling in my brain. And just as I felt like my skull was about to burst, I saw the woman on the stretcher. <sighs> A gushing sigh of relief. <sighs> Luckily, my concern was premature. She was about 90 years old. Turns out, an elderly resident quietly shuffled off her mortal coil in her sleep. A shame for the old girl, but the tension melted down off my spine with a cold sweat beating my forehead. I'm ashamed to say I was relieved. The harrowing feeling still sizzled in my blood like battery acid as I knocked on Lady's door. She greeted me with the most disarming smile, neutralizing my electrified veins. Hey, handsome. Hearing you say those words never got old. It's a shame about Mrs. Darren. She'll be sorely missed around here. She was like a grandmother to the whole floor. It took me a second to even process that she was talking about the deceased person I had just thought was her. Everything okay? You look like you just seen a ghost, Frank. Yeah, I'm, I'm alright. Sorry about Mrs. Darren. You know, we always call her Mrs. Because even after Liam, Mr. Darren, passed, she would talk about him like he was just in the other room. And to be honest, she hasn't really been the same since he left us. Hopefully she finds some peace with her Liam. It felt like it was the first time I was getting to the doughy center of her soul. And because of the compassion I saw in her amber irises, we got closer before our date even started. I... I called it in, you know. I let myself into her apartment to bring her over a fresh batch of cookies I made with her recipe. As a kind of thank you for helping me nail down snickerdoodles. I thought she was sleeping on the recliner, but I couldn't get her to wake up. Ellie still looked peaceful. She had a smile on her face, like she knew she was going to be reunited with her Liam. Her caring nature really touched me. I initiated a hug that she embraced. I squeezed lightly and she reciprocated tenfold. There were no tears, but I felt the sadness. Come on, let's go get that dinner. Yeah, I'm starving. <laughs> we laughed the whole way there. We had a nice steak dinner at a ritzy joint. I knew she was the girl for me because she was just as carnivorous as I was. She finished hers before my plate was clear. <laughs> we talked and laughed for a couple hours and I was getting the distinct feeling that somehow we've always known each other. We were just waiting for the gravities of Earth to polarize, 
pull us back together. That feeling ran into the night. From the restaurant to the car, to her house, to her bed. We were completely taken with each other. After expressing our desired intimacies together, the subject of the case came up. I shouldn't have, but I told her about the diary entries, and the flyer, and the dead body with the same markings as her sister's boyfriend. She asked if I was heading to the herring, to ask if anyone saw a suspicious guy. I explained to her how common that was at that kind of bar anyways, and that Joe was going to be working on the case. But as you probably guess, she's not much impressed with the diligence of cops in this town. So partly out of curiosity and partly to put her mind at ease, I said I'd go. She begged to come along, and to be honest, I didn't see a reason why not. Maybe something a little softer on the eyes would make people more verbose. So we got dressed and headed back to the herring. It was late, but that's the kind of crowd we were looking for. I have to admit, getting across to some of these dregs was a lot easier with my new sidekick. But we still didn't find much of what we were looking for. I saw the singer, Cordelia, from my previous visit and thought she's got the best seat in the house. She's on the stage above everyone else. Maybe she saw something. Just maybe. We shuffled our way through the crowd and got to Cordelia, who was surrounded by what seemed like a small gang of bodyguards. Maybe five or six slack-jawed apes who could snap me like a twig. She seemed to hardly entertain our presence. What's wrong, honey? You need an autograph? Big fans, are ya? Actually, I'm investigating a murder. Her expression didn't seem so calm and cool now, but it seemed like she was less shocked and more angry. Her guardian stood at attention, blocking my direct view of her. I thought it was an odd response to my statement. I don't have time for this. I have a performance soon. Before I even had the time to respond, she exited through a back door blocked by her goons. I don't know what she was hiding, but now wasn't the time to find out. Her guardsman staring at me, then at a lady. That scowl was all I needed to know it was time to leave. What the hell was that? I'm not sure what's going on. Maybe she just had a bad experience with the law. Maybe she lost somebody to murder. No point speculating. Let's just get out of here. Who is that? Lady's bewildered expression made me swivel my head around. A man in an oversized coat, all black, walked out of the back room where Cordelia retreated. He was hurrying our way. Maybe he felt the same threatening gaze we did and thought he too needed to make his departure. But his escape was a little too swift for his lack of balance. He crashed directly into me, knocking me to the side and him on his behind. A flurry of papers fluttered to the ground. We both apologized to each other, knowing it was the man's fault for barreling through a crowded bar. 
uh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, pal. Let me help you out. I reached my hand out, beckoning his own. He didn't take my help standing up. He didn't seem too comfortable with me handling his papers either, but I was helping far too quickly and generously for him to decline. It seemed odd that he was holding all this unbound parchment, and then I seen that there was a diary with weak binding. And that was clearly the culprit for losing the leaflets of paper. Looks like you're going to need a new notebook, friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, I, I really gotta get going. I motioned that it was no big deal. As I grabbed the remainder of the paper into a pile, I noticed something familiar. The handwriting. I couldn't believe my eyes. I pulled out the note I found at the last crime scene and compared it to the page the stranger dropped. Horrified at the similarity, my eyes flicked through the lines that read, I was on the bus today and saw a frail old woman sitting a few seats ahead of me. All I could do was pity her. All the life she has in her. With that damn shell. I decided I had to help her. I got off on her stop and followed her up to her apartment where she would be more comfortable. I followed inside holding the door open for her. She was so fragile that door might as well have been made of lead. She thanked me and I looked at her for a second and said, don't thank me yet. It was so exciting. I was about to save this person. Give her the best gift any person could possibly give to another. I tried to explain it to her. But I think the level of generosity I was showing was a little overwhelming. I told her how she has so much life in her and that she could shed all of her pain with this shell. I told her that I promised to keep her safe. She was still apprehensive towards me. Maybe it's not something that can be explained with words. After all, how do you define salvation? So I showed her. And it was beautiful. And now she's safe. My brain connected all the dots. This was the murder we heard about on the radio. This was the man writing the diary entries. This was the psycho killing people in my city. Filled with adrenaline, I rose up to meet the murderer just to see the bar door swing closed. Damn it! I spent too much time reading. Without explaining myself to Lady, I handed her the diary and my car keys, and I gave chase on foot. Looking to my left, then my right, I didn't see any sign of the man. But a chain-link fence rattled in the alleyway to my left, so that's where I ran to. As I hurtled garbage and short chain-link fences, I started to see the outline of my mark. He was fast. And in an all-out sprint, I knew he would win. But I thought what I knew about the city may give me a leg up. Like a home field advantage. I was gaining some ground, but the trash cans he was knocking over slowed me down exponentially. Damn it. Think, Frank. Think. That's it. I knew that up past 3rd Street, there's a thin alley. An old bootlegger's pass cut through a city block diagonally. That's where I could catch him out on the other end. I slipped through the narrow corridor, praying that I'd be able to catch him in time. My blood was hot with rage for his killing spree, and relishing the opportunity to end it here. It was all coming down to this. I was gonna wrangle this bastard in, dead or alive. I pulled out my revolver as neon lights illuminated the exit to my shortcut. I saw a figure whip past the alley from right to left in a blur, so at the corner I made a sharp left turn. 
I brought the gun up to a shooting stance and yelled, STOP! The figure turned around timidly, raising its arms. It was a middle-aged man in a suit trying to catch a cab. This was not my guy. Must have just missed him, I thought. The man called out to me, but before I processed what he said, I felt my back go white, hot, with searing pain. <clears throat> Turns out, he had me right where he wanted me the whole time. He didn't seem like the type to leave loose ends after Mark anyways. I should have anticipated this. I felt the claws that Mark told Jimmy about. The needle-like lengthy spikes digging into me like those poor people's necks. I swung wildly and felt the weapon relinquish my flesh. I saw his face overconfident and drunk off the advantage he knew he had in this fight. I saw headlights glowing over the dark street. I heard the sounds of an engine growl. My vision started to blur as the man raised his hand. Syringes adorning a gauntlet glistened in the headlights. I had only the strength to lift my hands up to block the rapture of light erupting my assailant. Why are you trying to stop me from saving everyone? She chose me! Jonah Carver! To save them, not you! As his hand made its descent, my vision went black entirely. And the last thing I heard was a crashing thud. Frank? Frank, wake up, Frank! Frank, get up! I regained a hint of consciousness long enough to help Lady help myself up. She tossed me in the car, and as my head lay against the window, I saw Jonah hobbling off into another alley, and I faded to black again. Well, thanks for stopping by, stranger. Hope you enjoyed yourself. If you're looking for more Neon Shadows, you can visit the Neon Shadows Speakeasy on Facebook or Neon Shadows Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Or look us up as Neon Shadows on YouTube, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time, stranger. And remember, keep to the Neon Shadows. Neon Shadows is written by Ian Knowles and voiced by Dan Faulkner, Amber Tubman, Sean Goodrich, Marcellus Clay, Tyler Brown, Logan Lankowski, and Ian Knowles. Copyright 2020, reuse or reproduction of our content is strictly prohibited. This is Thursday Thrillers, audio with action on the Mutual Audio Network. Join us tomorrow on Mutual with Friday Follies the end-of-the-week collection of comedy cut-ups. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of audio drama that fits your fancy. Or find the Friday Follies feed in your favorite podcast players. Now that's a lot of F's. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.